Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which have loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. We do have hope, and the hope is through grace. The word rendered good, according to the scholars, means unfailing, bright, genuine, and beneficial. So the good hope will not be disappointment. His benefits will be forthcoming in due time. There is no good hope through human merit. All men are sinners and cannot merit anything good from God. I think everybody ought to, especially if you're saved, You are to guard your tongue. You are to be honest. You are to keep your word. We to go on and on and on. But none of that will save you. There are a lot of good lost people. I made the statement years ago. when my wife was going to the doctor on a regular basis. I said, there are some lost men I would trust my wife with to take her to the doctor, bring her back. Some that profess to be saved, I wouldn't trust him with my wife unless I had an armed guard in the back seat. And I had nobody in mind. But there's a lot of lost people who think they're all right because they're good. They give, they do deeds, they'll help you out. But the good hope is through grace. And the word rendered good, according to the scholars, means unfailing bright, genuine, and beneficial. The good hope will not be disappointed. His benefits will be forthcoming in due time. So there's no good hope through human merit because people, places, things, and circumstances affect every one of us. It was people, places, things, and circumstances that affect how I dealt with the loss of my wife. And my knowledge and understanding of the word of God causes you to handle things different than a lot of lost people. But in 
this chapter of Second Thessalonians, I want to consider some of the leading characteristics of the Christian hope. It is the hope of the gospel. You know, the uh, reason that uh, I'm saved is because I heard the gospel. But that wouldn't have saved me unless God blessed that. Just hearing the word of God will not save you. You've got to hear it with the heart. And Galatians 1.23 talks about and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Today we have Christian people who have moved away from the hope. You're uh, amazed, or I've been amazed, of how open and honest and stupid some people are. Some people that I didn't think would be. Oh, you want to get over your wife? I'll give you a fifth. You want to get over your wife? I'll fix you up with a woman. You know, stupid statements like that. And they mean well, but if they really believe that, they need to be born again. They need the gospel preached. They need the Spirit of God to bear witness with the gospel so that they can remove foolish statements like that out of their life. The gospel is the power of the Spirit. Not only begets faith and love, it also arouses hope. See, I've got a hope that a lost person knows nothing about. If you're saved this morning in the will of God, you've got a hope that the average church member knows nothing about. Because you get out in the communities, go to the nursing homes, and that's, that's the most pitiful thing. You know, I guess I like to talk to old people because I'm old now. But I go to the nursing homes sometimes when I've got a real bad day and I just go room to room. I don't know some of them, but I know a lot more of them now than I did. And it's amazing how that some of those people have been put in there and forgotten. What is their hope? Their hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's their hope. You know what my hope is? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel not only points back to the cross, to what Christ did there, it also points to his coming again and to what he will do for us. 
He's going to take all of us who have been born again out of this world and give us new bodies. Guy asked me this week, uh, he said, how's your heart? I said, well, I got a new one waiting for me in glory. And he said, you really believe that, don't you? Yes, I do. I sure do. And I believe that God can take the old heart that I've got now that's been taken out a couple times and fooled with, put back in. He can make that last as long as if my heart was a good heart. It's left up to him. See, there's hope through grace. There's hope through grace. Grace is an unmerited favor. You didn't earn it, and until God quickened you, you didn't even want it. Can you imagine? Can you take yourself back to that point when somebody tried to tell you about Jesus and you had no interest whatsoever? Who is this Jesus? Will I be in the shape I'm in if if that Jesus you talk about and preach be real? God came to save your soul. Give you a new spirit to give you the reason for wanting to live. God tells us in First John chapter three, knows women. First John chapter three. When we, when we look at that and we see what God does, oh, what a, what a beautiful reason to be here. He said in 1 John in chapter 3 and verse 2, he said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. One of the older men, a little bit older than me, said, but how will I recognize him? Oh, you'll recognize him, sir. There's no one like him. You'll be glad you prepared to meet him. God speaks to us. And he said in verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him, underline, purify, underline himself, even as he is pure. When we look at the world today and we look at the Christian world, and try to apply that verse to them, they're not purifying themselves. Whatever the latest style is, is what the world wants. Whether they're a church member, saved, lost, don't make any difference. I want to fit in. 
Ask yourself this. How can you fit into a world that tries to tuck you out of? I used, up until a few weeks ago, I would get on Facebook and I would check out some of the churches <coughs> of like faith and the way some of the people dress in church. I mean, you say, well, that's none of your business. Oh, it would be some of my business if I pastored that church. What are they telling the world? The only thing you need to do is walk down the aisle and get baptized. And you're on your way to glory. Let me tell you, friend, there's a lot more to it than that. Paul answered us, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory, Galatians 3, 4. See, I believe, and as we should believe, I believe that the believer looks back to the cross as the ground of hope and forward to a fruitful of hope. I mean, I sincerely believe with everything that's in me that the Lord is on his way. But what is our hope? My hope is a hope of salvation. Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. When we see what God's word says about it, or says about anything, that's how we want to look at what does God say about it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day. If you believe the Lord could come today, you are those people of the day. Be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith and love and for a hamlet of the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Paul went on to say in Romans 13 and verse 11, you know, he, he talks about our salvation is nearer than we think. Do you think those party goers last night and beast growers who half naked or not 80% naked and booze in, induced, you think they're looking for the Lord? 
See, I, I don't have any authority over your personal Facebook and don't want it. None of my business. My concern, but not my business. But when you open up a church Facebook and you see more nakedness on that church Facebook than you do at the bars and hoosie truths places, whatever they're called, that we all used to go when we were 20, 22 years old. What's that saying about that church? Come as you are, leave as you are. The believer has been saved from the guilt and penalty of sin so that he is no longer condemned but justified from all things. I believe that's what Acts 13 chapter around the 39th verse would tell us if we was to read it. He is being saved from the damning power of sin because he is no longer under the law but under grace. We ought to let not the preacher detect direct, tell you what to do, but let the Word of God tell us what to do. See, it's the Word of God that says, forsake not yourselves in the assembly of the Lord. I believe it goes on to say, even the more if you believe the Lord's coming. That's what the Bible says. So if the preacher preaches that, reads that, and you blame him or get mad at him because that's all he talks about, you want him to preach the Bible, don't you? We need to preach the Word of God as it is to sinners as they are in church and out of church. We've got to check out things that we shouldn't have to check out. We, somebody asked me about a wedding. I went to a wedding. Matter of fact, I performed that wedding because I knew both of them lost. So I figured, you know, I'm going to do a little preaching in the message. And I did. And after the funeral, uh, well, I want to take say funeral, but that one was dead before it started. But uh, they had some snacks over, over there. And, and the groom that I had such united with this woman, my part of it, he offered me a joint. And before that event took place, you know, I said, I probably need to talk to both of them. Oh, it's family. Yeah, it's family, all right. Not only did they not have no respect for me as a pastor, they had no respect for God. 
three years later, they're separated. See, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to go. You want to stay. The believer is yet to be delivered from the presence of sin. Won't that be wonderful when you're never tested again or tempted again with sin? Don't that make you want to go to heaven? Oh, I tell you. It makes you want to go to heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. God said, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Want to know what's wrong with the world? Want to know what's wrong with the families in this world? See, God has only got two divine units, and that's the church and the family. The church is weak because the family is weak. The world is not part of the church. There may be individuals in the world that God will save and add to the church, but the church is a divine organization. The family is a divine organization. That's why that when we say I do, we ought to mean what we said. And sometimes, you know, and I know, there's situations beyond our human control. But we need to be serious about that. We need to be serious about when we say I Love that church because of what it offers. What does it offer? If it doesn't offer the word of God, why are you there? I don't feel bad about saying that at all because I go to a restaurant because I want good food. Amen? I go to a clothing store because I want some clothes. You go to church because you want to hear about Jesus. You want to hear Jesus being lifted up. It is the hope of righteousness. You know. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness. That's what Galatians 5.5 5 tells us. While the believer has the righteousness of Christ imputed. Imputed. Aren't you thankful that God imputes the righteousness of his Son into you? I'm righteous this morning not because of me, but because who lives in me. And the aspect of righteousness now, there by faith has a hope attached to it. Because Jesus took a sinner and made him right for glory. The only part that doesn't want to die is the flesh. The spirit is longing to be with God. But there's still another aspect of, of the hope of the, of the righteousness. There's another aspect. 
and notice in Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. God said in chapter three and verse thirteen of Second Peter. Uh, Second Peter, He said this. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now the question is, why wouldn't we be looking for that new earth where there's nothing but righteousness there? Please don't take this wrong. I I think that I don't care what condition I get in as long as I know who I am and I know who Jesus is. I want to be here. I want the last breath that I take glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is a growth pattern that you grow a little bit at a time. But if you talk to the public, no matter what church they attend, they come across as long as I know I'm saved. How can you know? Somebody answer this for me. How can you know if you're saved if all you think about is you? I've said that on my radio broadcast several times over the years. A lot of answers for me. Me, it's because they walked down the aisle one day and everybody was glad for them, glad you're saved, glad you're part of the church. and Nothing exciting has happened in their life since. But growth is exciting. I looked at that little baby back there and you know, and I'd see her mother in her. And I remember when Anthony took over for a little while and her and her brother back there came and I had them in a Sunday school class back there on the table. <laughs> you know. I said, why would you remember that? Because I expect God to do something with what I said back then. See, you only have to hear the gospel once. Now, God sometimes will put that in what I call the spiritual delay basket. But if God was in it, they may ignore it, but they never forget it deep down. And that's why I don't give up on anybody if that person heard the gospel sat under some sound preaching for a while. That's my hope for Amber. Young lady set up right there at the UK hospital. <laughs> Man, says, let me out of here so I can go back and hear Brother Tony. He's the best preacher I ever heard. But the world unless we're grounded in the word of God, the world will take you out. 
Because all you got to do to be famous in the world is just nothing but go along. That's all you got to do. The more you go along, the popular you are. But Christianity is exactly opposite. The closer you get to the Lord, the world don't want nothing to do with you. You want to know how close you are? A friend of mine was just kidding. I hope he was kidding. If he don't, God's going to deal with him. But he uh, called me up and I said, won't you meet me somewhere and we'll have lunch. He said, hey, hey bud, you know, we're, we were just like that. I can see his hands going like that. But, but, you know, you can't help yourself. When you get with me, you want to preach to me. I said, you're right. Because there was a time you wanted to hear it. Now let's, let's ask yourself a question. Were you lying then or were you lying now? You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. And if he belongs to you, he'll get you if it's on the deathbed. But in the meantime, we keep living that example in front of us. God is God is the answer. I don't have to know your problem, but I already know the answer. Now let's look at Jeremiah, the twenty third chapter in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. Now, God says here in verse 5, Jeremiah 23 and verse 5, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteous. You know why? There is nothing righteousness in this body. You're not adding anything to your righteousness when you dress properly and talk properly and deal properly. You're just living out what God puts in you. And he'll bless you for obedience. God always blesses obedience. It is the hope of his calling. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul prays that we may know what is the hope of his calling. See, we got to be familiar with the word of God so we can know what is coming next. And, and he tells us, he tells us as we read here in Ephesians chapter 4, Four in verse 4, 
there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in the one hope of your calling. Go back to Ephesians 1.18 that I quoted first in such a minute. And he said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightening, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We can know. You want to know how close the second coming of the Lord is? Read your Bible. And if you read your Bible, if your life is not what it ought to be, you'll at least make an effort for it to be that way. God is a wonderful God. Here is a twofold hope. God's hope and our hope. When God called us with the call of salvation, he had a definite purpose to glorify us and fit us for his holy presence. You ever had somebody tell you, don't worry about me, I'm going to die, go to heaven, and he's going to view me and thankful for me. You know, a statement like that is so wrong that you shouldn't even look at it. Think about it. This body is not going to heaven. This body is not going to heaven. This body is sinful. Now, you may be more sinful than me. You may be less sinful than me. But you know how many sins it takes to go to hell if it's not blood covered? One. A lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. But God said, you know, nevertheless, here in... 2 Peter 3.13, he said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Not going to be any of this in glory. Some of the (laughs) Christian music that Christians listen to, it won't be in heaven. It's works-oriented. Got a good beat, you know. People said, well, I really like that song. Well, it's, it's good for pleasure listening, but it's not good for indoctrinal teaching. And I don't get on that very, very seldom because it's not my job nor my responsibility to tell you what to listen who not listen what to watch where to go that's out of my realm but I do have the authority to tell you your responsibility is to live as close to the Lord as you possibly can each time you get mad and lose your temper God's not in that Anytime you or two or three people get together and talk about somebody, that's not of God. 
Because you can't gossip and pray at the same time. You can't uplift and tear down at the same time. You know, lost people just think different. I know because I was lost. And as we prepare to close this morning, we have a hope of his calling. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, and I believe it's verse 18. Didn't mark that, but let me see, yeah. The eyes of your understanding, Ephesians 1, 18. The eyes of your understanding, being enlightening, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. You know, I love that scripture. I hope you do. When John, when he said, in my house are many mentions. But I go to prepare a place for you. Now, you have been listening to me for, for years. You, you, know, you don't agree with my theology on, on this, but I believe that mansion he's building, yeah, as his bride. I told um, the, the chaplain's fiance, you know, he said, What do you think I ought to wear, Papa? I said, Don't make no difference. Ain't nobody be looking at you. They look at the bride. Here comes the bride. Not here comes the bridegroom. Now, Kim said, He don't know how to take you. He was just kidding. I said, No, I wasn't. But he's going to look nice because he, he's a good guy. And I use that word good loosely as I do about all people. But, you know, it's about the bride. Here comes the bride. And what I'm waiting is for my bride to come down out of the sky. And the bride and his church unite. Paul prays that we may know what is the hope of his calling. And as we close, I want to have a twofold hope God's hope and our hope. When God calls us with the call of salvation, he had a definite purpose to glorify us and fit us for his holy presence. This was to be in the future. It is referred to us the hope of his calling. Our calling, like our salvation, may be viewed from three angles. As to the past, we can say that God has called us out of darkness into everlasting life. First Peter two nine. 
That's what everybody is saved this God has called you out of darkness. That's the first calling. Concerning the present, we are told that God have not called us to uncleanness. If there's anything, any activity in your body that should not be, God didn't call that. He didn't place that. But he's called for us body, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, unto holiness. You know. You know, and I told the young man that. I said, you know, when you and my precious granddaughter gets married, there ain't no other woman. Don't give me that silly stuff. I'm just a man in that naked body. No, you're lusting after it. Your eyes be upon the bride. Concerning the present, we are told that God have not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. But as he who have called us is holy, 1 Peter 1.15, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, yes, you should talk like a Christian, but conversation means a way of life, and that includes your speech. I don't know how anybody else feels. It's none of my business, I don't guess, but this old, old stuff that, hey, this girl's night out before you get married and boy's night out before you get married. Well, you want one excuse to sin before you get married? Ain't no one night out for the boys and one night out for the girls. If you're sure that God gave you that woman, or if you're sure God wants you to have that man, no other men, no other women is involved. You think you're going to stop it after that one night? It's like I want to go to heaven. Brother Vance says, well, I want you to baptize me. Baptism won't take you to heaven. Then why do we be baptized? To be obedient. Baptism puts you in the church. Grace puts you in glory. Song leader and pianist come. 